0: Our scripture today is going to be Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Now, if you've been paying attention, you realize that this is the same passage that we preached on last week. But I thought there were still some more good nuggets in there that I wanted us to look at today. And so we'll be looking at that passage once again. Here's what Paul has to say to us. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. God, again, we come to you this week with this passage from Romans 12. We know, Lord, that just as your scripture that comes from thousands of years ago continues to speak to us today, we also know that it can speak to us differently from one week to the next, that it can reveal new truths, and for that we are thankful to you. And so I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Last week, we touched on the subject of racism and our being able to talk about it, no matter how difficult of a conversation it might be. One of the things that we discussed is the importance of curiosity when it comes to having challenging conversations. I really like that word curiosity and one of the reasons why is because a number of years ago now a mentor of mine used that word when it came to a difficult issue that I was facing. I was struggling with a particular person and being criticized and trying to understand exactly how I should wrestle with all of these issues, something I was taking very personal, becoming very defensive. And he suggested that perhaps I should take on a posture of curiosity. By looking at something in a more curious way, it helps to give it just enough distance so that you don't take everything quite so personally. It's not likely, as likely, that you will become defensive. And you're in a much better place to be able to actually learn. And even if you don't always agree with the criticism or the person who is criticizing you, you can at least increase the likelihood that you can really genuinely learn from this person. curiosity, as we said last week, has to be rooted in humility. You're not likely to be very curious. You're not likely to think that you can learn very much if you don't look at things in a more humble way. And when we thought about Romans 12, that verse where Paul says, do not claim to be wiser than you are, can be immensely helpful as we try to engage in difficult conversations. The more that we realize that we have room to grow wiser, the more humble we will become. And the more humble we become, the more likely we are to become curious. And that's a part of the reason why I encouraged you last Sunday to perhaps seek out an African-American brother or sister in Christ and to become more curious about their stories, to try to understand from their own perspective what it's like to grow up and to be here in America. So I hope that perhaps some of you have done that. For others, maybe you've been spending this week persevering in prayer as we also discussed last Sunday and praying that God would provide for you an opportunity to understand the stories of people of color around you. This week, I thought that perhaps there would be some wisdom in bringing a couple of those stories to you. and Maybe today we can be curious together. Remember, just because we hear someone's story doesn't mean that we always have to agree with that person all the way through, one way or the other, but to become curious and to ask what we might learn. One of those people that I interviewed earlier this week is Sherry Pipkin. Many of you know Sherry. Sherry's the director of our Noah's Ark daycare. Some of you have had children who have kind of been grown up with Sherry. Sherry's worked for Noah's Ark for almost three decades and she's been the director for over two decades. Those who know Sherry, parents of children the children and all of ZPC staff, you love and respect Sherry. She's a remarkable woman. Those of us who know Sherry also know very well that she's not afraid to tell you what she thinks. But she does so in an incredibly gracious and loving way. And so I thought that Sherry would be a wonderful person from us to hear. Now before we hear a little bit from Sherry, I want you to know this. If you don't know Sherry, she loves ZPC. She knows the strengths and the weaknesses of this particular congregation. And anything that she says is done so out of a love for us, which is why I was excited to hear from her. And so one of the questions that I asked Sherry was this. What would you want us to know about race and about racism? And here's what Sherry had to say.
1: What I wanted to um, tell you and Scott the other day was, um, you need to understand what this means on a personal level. So um, for me as a uh, African-American woman, I have four uh, children, three boys and one girl. And um, my, how can I say this? My, My reality is different than your reality. I had to sit my boys down and explain to them things that they could and they could not do, things that would keep them safe um, and this was a daily conversation that my husband and I both had uh, with our boys. Um, I was working one day at Noah's Ark, and uh, one of the ladies uh, there, who was a, is a fellow CPCer, she she um, was in office with me, and one of my children called, and I took the phone call, and they were talking to me. And when I got off the phone, she could tell that I was upset, and she asked me, what, you know, what, what happened? Why, why are you so upset? And I explained to her that one of my sons had left the house with his friend and was walking down the street with a do rag on, which is a a scarf. And that was one of the things that we did not allow our children to do because they would be profiled uh, with that on, thinking that they were doing something wrong. And I was highly upset that he had done that. Um, And she came back to me and said, you know, that was, I, I realized then the fear that you have for your children every day. And she, she remarked that, you know, I don't have that kind of fear and I never understood it until now when I was sitting here with you and I saw the fear in your eyes. Um, and that's a, that's a daily truth for, for African-American moms. Um, you know, as a mother, we all want to protect our children and make sure that no harm comes to them at all. But I literally had to make sure that or try my best to make sure that as soon as my sons left the house, they were safe and or at least they knew what to do to help them to be safe.
0: One of the things I really appreciated about what Sherry said is the fact that the ZPCer who was in her office with her, it was only then as she got to look into Sherry's eyes, as she got to experience the fear that Sherry felt, Only then did she really begin to understand the experience of Sherry. I think it's this great reminder to us of the fact that if you want to understand the life of someone, if you want to understand their stories, you cannot do it from afar. You can't do it from a distance. You have to get closer to them. I also wanted us this week to be able to hear from Antonio Patton. Antonio is someone that not all of us know, but a few of us do. He grew up in Chicago and in Phoenix. One of the things that shaped his life, according to Antonio, was the fact that he didn't know his father at all. His mother was incredibly strong. He loved his mother. But he grew up without that important parent. When he was in high school... He was wooed, uh, to use his words, uh, by uh, pharmaceutical reps that were on the street corner. They wooed him, in many ways, filling the gap of an absent father. And eventually, Antonio would fall into drugs and into life in a gang. But at some point down the road, he had an experience of God's grace and mercy. And that experience transformed Antonio. Not only did it change his life, but it also made him want to change the life of others. And so now, Antonio works with City Life, which is a part of Youth for Christ on the east side of Indianapolis. He works with young kids, with uh, ministering to those, many of whom, much like him, have grown up without a father, many of those who are in the need of someone to love them and to show them the love of God. I should let you know this isn't the only job that Antonio has. He also works a third shift job. So he works overnight, comes home to sleep for a couple of hours, and then he goes out into the neighborhoods trying to bring love and peace into those areas. And so I asked Antonio, much like I had Sherry, what is something that we might learn from him about what it's like to be African-American in our country. And here's what Antonio had to say.
2: I would love for you to understand that it is a difference, unfortunately, in our world Mm. to be a black man, to wake up and live in society today. Mm. Unfortunately, sad to say, I know you as a a brother of the Lord, You don't see it, you know, um, should have to view it like that. But unfortunately, the reality is, is that being tried as a black man in a a, a justice system and being tried as a a Caucasian brother in the system is different. Mm -hmm. And we would want the youth, and I'm speaking for the youth. A lot of times we talk to them, but we never take time to listen to them. Mm -hmm. And that's where I come in. You know, the reality of it is in the world when you wake up, Um, You you do get down to the application, and when it says check your ethnic race, you wonder, if I check this, will I get the job? Hmm. Um, The reality is, is when my son go out and an officer pull him over, the reality is I tell him, son, roll all your windows down. Keep your hands visible. You know, um, don't get out of the car. Always say yes, officer, no, officer. You know, um, never, ever move without him giving you instructions,
1: mm-hmm. you
2: know, hands up, you know, is the first thing I want you to do when they approach you. We living in a, um, you know, time to where that is a reality. And unfortunately, to see the kids go through that and I'm trying to be that bridge in between law enforcement, because I know it just takes one guy to smear the badge and then everybody has to suffer and wear that stain and that's not fair. Mm-hmm. I still have to bring and dial back to the youth that, hey, every officer didn't do that. And they don't want to hear it. You know, so the one thing about the predominantly white church is know that the reality is, re- is relevant, that it is different. It feels different.
0: As I listened to Sherry and to Antonio, it was clear that, at least for me, it's a very different upbringing. My mother did not have to tell me or warn me about the same kinds of things that Sherry and Antonio are warning their own children about. It's a different perspective. It's a different way to have to live. One of the other things that I found interesting is that they couldn't tell their own stories without bringing in the stories of their children. It's this reminder to us that all of us who have children that inevitably your own story is interwoven into theirs. And we don't just think about what's going on in our own generation. We begin to wonder what's going on with the generation of our children. One of the things that I really appreciate about Antonio and about Sherry is that it's clear that while they understand that our world is broken and needs to be reconciled, they're not content to sit on the sidelines and to watch and to see what might or might not happen. Each of them take very seriously what Paul says to us in verse 13, which is that we are called to contribute to the needs of others. Another way to translate that passage is to say that we are called to participate in the needs of others. That's an incredibly active word. It's not just doing something or wishing something or hoping something. It's participating in the needs of others. A few weeks ago, Antonio was having dinner with his wife. It was an anniversary dinner in a restaurant downtown. And in the midst of that dinner, his phone began to blow up with lots of messages and and texts. These were coming primarily from mothers in the neighborhoods where Antonio works. They were concerned. It was at the time when the riots and protests were beginning to bubble up and they were worried. They were worried about what their children were going to do and they were worried about what was going to happen to their children. And so Antonio, well, let me just let you hear what Antonio felt like god was calling him to do
2: so many moms was reaching out because i had not jumped on facebook live or said anything to what had taken place in our in our world and the kids were just like on the edge of it and so i had about 20 some texts and about 40 some inboxes of moms like miss Patton. you've got to get on your social media and say something i don't know what to say to my son he's this he's that and so i asked my wife about an hour of her time because I was on my anniversary. I said, babe, I've got to address this now. Can I have about an hour? She said, yeah, babe. I went and jumped on live. And as I got off the live, God said, there's only one thing that's going to force hate out of the city. He said, you know what it is. I said, yes, God, your love. He said, so they're down there tearing up the city. What do you think I want you to do? He said, go build it back up. He said, get a handful of the youth. Go down there. So you don't got to say nothing. You just, just show up and start cleaning up. So of course I coordinated there with some people that I knew and um, reached out a couple of cu- to a couple of councilmen that I've met doing what I've done. And I've challenged them. Councilmens asked me, Mr. Patton, what do you want? I said, I want you to come walk with me in the community and see what I see. I want you to come walk with me and hear what I hear. I want you to come walk with me and, and, and actually get a visual of what it looks like. And then ask me that question, what do I need? And so I reached out to one of those and I told him what I needed. I need some vests. I need some cleaning supplies. I need some graffiti remover. And I said, I've got the laborers. He said, no problem. We showed up and we've done that. What I didn't know is that just obeying the voice of God and doing love that this thing would just go viral. That was not our expectation. Our expectation was to impute love into our city to show them what Indianapolis was really about. And so we scrubbed love and down there, and then we rallied around. We found out there was two owners that was – the business was vandalized. The kids said, Mr. Patton, what can we do? I said, we could raise some money and help them. I said, well, I, well, I got $5. I got 20 And I said, no, no, not your, not your dollars. We're going to rally around some other people, and we're going to call the community into action. I said, there's people that work every day that pays taxes. They may want to jump in. I said, this is not just our fight. It's all of our fights. This is all of our city. Everybody that's residents of Indianapolis. And that's what we've done. And next thing you know, I went home and all of a sudden my phone started going bananas. And I'm just like, what in the world? And I got like 700 new friend requests. And I'm just like, who will be? And I'm just accepting them and just the love. And so God began to tell me love over hate, light over darkness, faith over fear, unity over division, and Jesus over everything.
0: Something else that Antonio has done is he's also walked with the chief of police through the neighborhoods where he works as a way of trying to reconcile these two groups. Antonio is a bridge in many ways. One of the things I think is always important to remember when it comes to people who are trying to bring reconciliation to those who are trying to serve as a bridge is that so often they end up being trampled by both sides, but Antonio is called to that ministry. He is called to contribute to the needs. He is called, as verse 21 says of Romans 12, to overcome evil with good. Sherry in her own way, is also contributing to the needs of others on a more macro level, of course. She's contributing to the needs of the children and to the parents who need someone to watch their children, and she does so in a beautiful way. But on on an even more personal level, Sherry is also contributing to the needs of others and perhaps in a different way than we might even at first imagine. Here's one example of what I mean about how Sherry is contributing to the needs of others while also overcoming evil with good.
1: Years back about that, where I had a father who came in and uh, walked up and said, I'm here to see the director. And I said, hi, my name is Sherry. And I held out my hand and he put his hand behind his back. And he said, I don't need to talk to you. I need to talk to the director. I'm waiting for my wife and then I'll be waiting for her. And I said, okay. And I went back in my office and sat down. And he stood outside and his wife came up and I walked back out into the hallway. And I said, hi, I'm Sherry and held my hand out to her. And then I looked at him and said, the director. And she shook my hand and I reached for his hand again and he would not shake my hand and she kicked him. It was probably a year later that he became my best friend. Mm-hmm. He was in my office every day. He asked me thousands and thousands of questions about African-American people and, mm-hmm. and what he heard about this and this stereotype. And we became really, really close. That's why you have, to, you, you have to, you never know who's in front of you. You never know who's behind you. You don't know their story. You don't know what they're doing. You need to find out.
0: As I thought about the story that Sherry told, I was struck by the fact that in many ways, Sherry was meeting the need of the Father. But it was a need for him to be able to see in a different way. But of course, for Sherry to be able to do that took an enormous amount of grace and patience and courage. I don't know how many of us would be able to have that much grace patience and courage in that same situation it's remarkable but while she had that grace patience and courage I think we can all agree she shouldn't have to have that in that situation because it's not a situation that Sherry should have to face which brings us to the last thing that I want us to consider which is what can I do what can we do One of the things that I've been hearing from many of you this week is that simple question. It seems overwhelming. It's almost like it's such a large issue. How can I, how can you, how can we do much of anything? And in moments like these, when it's easy to be overwhelmed, I think there's some wisdom in just simply asking that question, which is exactly what I did. I asked Antonio and I asked Sherry, what can I, what can we do? Here is what Antonio said. What's one thing that you think that we can do?
2: Be an Aaron to a Moses. Hmm. Come come alongside of Moses and walk with Moses. And um, when you get a relationship, that relationship, Moses will let you in on his real secrets. Hmm. because he's afraid because Aaron kind of, you know, upscales him. You know, like you look at Aaron, You're like, Aaron, man, why are you hanging with me? You've got it all. You're educated. You live here. You do this. I stutter, Aaron. And Aaron's like, Moses, I I came here for you. Hmm. If you take the opportunity to build that relationship and let me in, I can help you if you're willing to let me help you. So that's what I would ask, brother.
0: So we begin by coming alongside, by being in relationship, quite frankly, by by serving those in the African-American community. I love how uh, Eugene Peterson, in the message, he translates uh, the part where it says, honor one another above yourselves. He says, play second fiddle. In some sense, we have an opportunity to be able to play second fiddle, to be able to serve and to come alongside our African-American brothers and sisters in Christ. I asked Sherry, as I said, that same question. Sherry, what can can we do? And here's what Sherry had to say. Uh, What what should we do uh, in situations like this? Um,
1: You should be present. I mean, our call is to go forth and make disciples. Why would our call be any different depending on the color of the person? Mm -hmm. Why would our call be any different depending on any circumstance? Racism is a disease. Hmm. It's a disease. It's a sickness. And like any disease or sickness, we all have to rally together to get rid of it. Uh, Here we are in the middle of a pandemic. We have all been home. We've all social distanced. We've all done the things to get rid of this pandemic. Racism Racism is the exact same thing. We all have to be present. We all have to ask the questions. We all have to put ourselves out on the limb and say, I don't understand. Educate me. What can I do? We can't sit in our homes any longer and pretend that it's not there. We can't pretend that it's not us. We have to go out and find out. It's, as Christians, that's our call. So I don't understand why it's not the call for everything. Why is it just the call for something? Everybody's comfortable in, their, in their, little, their little home, their little place. Everybody's comfortable in their little church. Everybody's comfortable in their little station. But comfort is not what Christ asked us to do. He was not comfortable. That's not what he asked us to do. He asked us to go out and ask the hard questions. He asked us to go out and be with the people that nobody else wanted to be with. He asked us to go do those things. So how can we call ourselves Christians if that's
0: not our call? So once again, what Sherry said, much like Antonio, is that we can be in relationship with people of color. This is one of the ways, one of the most impactful ways, where we can begin to help bring reconciliation. But I hope that you also heard what Sherry said, which is that it's not always going to be comfortable. It's not going to come natural for most of us. It's going to take a remarkable amount of intentionality. I like that thinking because it very much echoes what Romans twelve thirteen says. Did you notice that in Romans 12, 13, it doesn't really just simply say, be hospitable. Actually, the translation that I most like, that I think in many ways hits on what Paul is saying, is that it means pursue hospitality. Pursue hospitality. John Stott points out that that means that we're going after it. We are actively looking for people who are different than us to care for them, to come alongside of them, to listen to them. This is not something that will just happen. It is something to which we must pursue. Sisters and brothers, As we think about these questions, we have to ask, what can I, what can we do? First of all, we we participate in the needs of others. ZPC Session and the Mission Commission were wrestling with what that might mean. We've decided, out of the generosity with which you all have given to us, that we're going to give to Antonio Patton, to his ministry, $25,000. Here's what that money is going to do. It's going to help to make sure that he is fully funded so that he then can go out and be fully present in those neighborhoods to not be as distracted, if you will, by the other job that he's been having to do and to more actively engage in being a person of peace, a person of reconciliation. Let me be clear. We don't give this money, money which you have given to us generously, And thinking that, well, that means that we're done by no means. But we also know that we can't just say we're going to do something without actually beginning to give in a really significant way. And so we are excited to be able to partner with Antonio in this way. So we participate with those who are in need. We also, of course, need to pursue being hospitable. This means that we need to relentlessly be trying to engage with those who are different than us. After my interview, after the recorded part of the interview was over la- uh, on Tuesday with Sherry, I asked her a question a bit more bluntly. I said to her, tell me, Sherry, what can I do differently? Not what can the church do differently, not what can they do differently, but what can I do I had intentionally pushed the stop button on the recording because I knew that Sherry was going to be honest with me, and I didn't want everybody to hear what she had honestly told me. But I'll give you at least a glimpse of what she said. She said, Jerry, I know that you're busy, but when you walk through the Noah's Ark wing, there's a lot of staff there. Many of them are African American. And you walk through there with such a mission that it's clear you don't want to be interrupted, basically. It's clear that you're not in a posture of hospitality, that you're not open to trying to engage with many of those who are in a very different place than you are. I didn't like hearing her say that. And this was the second time that she had said it to me. And you know what? Many months ago, or a year or so ago, when she told it to me the first time, I didn't like it then either. And I clearly have not done a very good job of listening. And so one of the things that I am committed to, one of the things that I hope that you are committed to, is to being more present. We are all incredibly busy. And we need to make sure that we are willing to slow down so that we can pursue hospitality with those who look different than us. We contribute to the needs of others. We pursue hospitality. And we continue to do so even when this subject is no longer the headline of so many of our newsfeed. Sherry said to me finally, Jerry, don't stop talking about this. Much like verse 11, where the NRSV says, don't lag in zeal, or the message says, keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Sherry was trying to encourage me to not just stop talking about this this Sunday and then to never touch it again. So one of the things I'm committed to is for us to continue to talk about this in the months and even the years ahead. Obviously that doesn't mean that every Sunday we're going to be talking about this particular issue, but it does mean that it's not something that we can just stop and act like we've figured it out or Just stop and never think about it again. We have to continue. We have to continue to be hospitable. We have to continue to be loving genuinely. We have to continue to pursue hospitality. We have to continue to be honest about our own sin and brokenness. We have to continue to give, to continue to listen. We have to continue to do all of these things. And why? Because God has done those things for us first. God has welcomed us. God has genuinely loved us. God has given us good. God has given to us. God has forgiven us. Because of these things, we know that we are also called to go and do likewise. And so, sisters and brothers in Christ, may we be a people who have received from the generosity of God. May we be a people who have been reconciled with God himself. And in so doing, might we realize our own call to give, our own call to be reconciled to our neighbors, no matter what color they may be. May that be our hope, may that be our doing, hallelujah. Amen and amen. One of the most beautiful things about being a part of a church community is being able to learn from one another, being able to listen, being able to grow wiser, being able to understand the experiences of people from such different places. I love being able to hear from people like Sherry and Antonio. And to know the good work that they are doing, and to know the ways in which they challenge us so that we might be shaped more like Jesus and build for God's kingdom. And so sisters and brothers in Christ, may we be challenged on this day. May we know that we have much room to grow wiser. And might we as a community continue to further God's mission of reconciliation of hope and peace and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with each of us this day and forevermore hallelujah amen amen